Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oakland Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabian, joined with my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us anywhere on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Give us a five-star rating because it, it makes us easier to find. And, you know, just it's just good to have a five-star review every once in a while. Do it. So, it's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. There's a bye week. There's nothing happening this Saturday in Norman, Oklahoma, anyways. Um, but Jack just got back from Pasadena in California on, I think, a Monday, right? Yeah, I got back late Monday night. How yeah, was, I was that, there how was that from trip? Wednesday to Monday. Yeah, it was a long trip. Definitely a long trip. Uh, stayed the first two nights in Riverside, which is like essentially the desert. I guess the Inland Empire, they call it. But uh, then Pasadena Friday and Saturday night. Had a lot of fun. The Old Town or Old Pasadena or whatever the hell, Colorado Street. I went to the bar that Dimitri recommended, Blind Donkey. Pretty cool. Really good beer selection. Definitely a good place. And there's a, a lot of bars around there. It's pretty cool. But like, it was... A very apparent OU presence down there for sure. I mean, as you saw in the stadium, you can imagine how the bars were the night before and like during the day beforehand and that night. Like, Boomer Sooner was playing on the jukebox essentially on a loop on Saturday night after the game at this bar we were at. It was all OU fans doing the clapping and shit during the yeah. fight song and all that. But uh, ended up at Roscoe's Saturday mm-hmm. night, chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. Waitress immediately told us we needed water. It was that kind of night. Yeah. A lot of fun. Roscoe's, by the way, is amazing. The waffles are basically the same as like Waffle House waffles, mm-hmm. which means they're perfect. <laughs> and uh, really good fried chicken. You dip it in the... Or this is how I did it. I deboned the chicken, put it between the waffle and on top of the waffle, put a bunch of butter on all of it, put a bunch of... Maple syrup on all yeah, of it. Me and just went to town on it. Yeah, make good hungry. stuff. I mean, I had chicken for dinner, but like, that sounds really good right now. Went to Disneyland too. How was that? I lost my sunglasses on the Indiana Jones ride, but other than that, it was very cool. I've, I will say that theme parks like Disneyland and yeah. Disney World are the most effective form of contraception on earth. I, I don't kids, want a child ever after going there ever. You know, 
I went to I went to Universal Studios the last time I was in Los Angeles area, and um, since my sister, she's in like the acting whatever industry, and she knows other people that are also in the same industry. They had connections through Universal Studios that we got front of the line passes. Nice. And we got to go through everything. And apparently, there's like a secret password every day at Universal Studios to go. Like you go to somebody that's you know. Through the gates. Are you going like, to let our listeners know the secret password? Well, at one at one point, especially when we went to Hogwarts, it was it was Slytherin, and they're like, "Okay, we'll have fun at the front of the line." They took us to the front of the line, so I mean that was fun, and we got to ride literally all the rides, and you know, flip off the people that were waiting in line, the normal the normal folk, and even the kids. It was is, nice. Is the Universal Studios the one in California? Do they have the Diagon Alley thing like they have in Orlando? Because um, I went to that one, and it was pretty sweet. They didn't have a Diagon Alley from what I remember. I just remember having a Hogsmeade visit and stuff like that. All kinds Street of butter. butter beer. All kinds of butter beer, frozen and non-frozen. Go to the go into the the candy store. Can't remember what the, what the name is. Floors? No. Something in Bots or something like that. I don't know. Birdie Bots. Birdie Bots. Every flavor of beans. Yep. I don't know. But uh, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy. There's admittedly. a bunch of bunch of stuff that was fun. So, but man, this this weekend I was supposed to go to the wedding. I ended up with like the worst stomach bug Saturday morning. So good thing you didn't travel out to L.A. and get that stomach yeah. bug. So yeah, I didn't I didn't go to L.A. and have it. I didn't go to the wedding and had. I just had it here, and I was sweating like crazy. But I I still ended up watching the game. But I, it, that was a pretty that was a pretty interesting Saturday. But I'm glad it's glad it's over. The tailgating, I will say, is pretty cool. The setup on the golf course, I hadn't been, I hadn't done that before. The setup on a golf course? Yeah, yeah. The golf course, it's just north of the Rose Bowl, and it's on like, yeah, a golf course. Like, how's the, that the most UCLA thing I've heard in a long time? <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, the Boomer Bash had like a big tent out on the golf mm-hmm. course and stuff like that, and it was sold out, so we couldn't get into it, but. We had some friends who were in it, so they were just passing us cocktails over the fence the whole day and stuff nice. like that. It was uh, it was pretty cool, but it was like like Pasadena. It's always a little bit hotter than it is like in Santa Monica or right. Newport Beach or anywhere like that. But like, it was unseasonably hot, mm-hmm. like ninety eight, ninety nine degrees during the tailgating and stuff like that. People were so it's like, like you're still in Oklahoma. Essentially, yeah. I mean, it was brutal. Pretty much all day, t- day tailgating and pretty much probably the first quarter and the first half of the second quarter. Hmm. But once the sun went behind the stands, it was just magnificent. You finally felt like you were getting like the true Rose Bowl experience at that point. But it was definitely a cool trip and obviously more OU fans than UCLA fans. I don't blame the yeah. UCLA fans for not going. Their team is ass and it was hot. So, I mean... Let's talk about it. Sooners win 48-14 in Pasadena against the Bruins. And um, what was the feeling? Were you around any UCLA fans in the stands? A few. I mean, I was on the uh, side with all the OU fans, but there were some UCLA fans sprinkled in there, and obviously we, you know, went around the tailgates and stuff like that. Could you gauge their thoughts and feelings about the game? Because I'm hearing mixed reviews about UCLA fans just, like, basically expecting They knew they were going to get whooped. I mean, they weren't. Most of them were cool. They were like, yeah, you guys are going to destroy us. I mean, it, kind of what you would expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a few people who were dicks. I mean, you saw the guy who yelled at Jalen. I mean, there are a few people like that, but generally it was God. fine. Like, why would you say that? 
I, You're Owen too. Just a trashy idiot. I don't know. So, it did look like this. The Sooner fans outnumbered UCLA fans, and what it made it what made it even look even better, or I guess worse for UCLA was. The stadium had set out all those blue shirts everywhere. <laughs> no, it, well, they were pom poms or pom poms or whatever yeah. it was, and they were just laying there by themselves with nobody to shake them and yep. cheer on UCLA for them. So that made it even more sad. What I didn't realize is they weren't even in school yet. School yeah, no. wasn't in session yet. Not that it really mattered that much because, like, Westwood is like 25, 30 miles from Pasadena, mm-hmm. and you've got LA traffic between those two places. The setup. As far as, like, the relationship to campus and all that, not good, obviously. So, I mean, in that light, it's always even more understandable when they don't really yeah. obviously fill a 92,000-seat stadium that's that far away from their campus. But it's... I feel kind of bad for them, honestly. I mean, there's nowhere to build a stadium near yeah. Westwood. It's, there's too much stuff there. Because so. I remember Stanford having a week, a very, very important week one game a while back. It was, it was a, It's been a hot minute. And it was like in the middle of September, and the announcers were like, "Yeah, they're this is a pretty big showing, and they're not even in school yet." And I was like, "It's the middle of September. How are they not in school?" Because like, you know, Oklahoma, that stuff starts at literally the the end of August or the yeah, very beginning of September. And I was like, "These kids don't even have school yet." So like, it's just a football team on campus. It's why they didn't have their marching band either at UCLA. Yeah. They had like a quarter of their band. I heard there's like no pregame entertainment whatsoever. Pretty much no. Kind of just like went and took it dry and then got the shit kicked out of them. And then yeah, that, that, that the sort of made it an odd environment. But the OU fans obviously brought their A game, so yeah, it was cool. So and it was it was nice to see the seniors winning the Rose Bowl after the last time they played there. It was a huge disappointment. Yeah, glad I wasn't there for that one. So. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts in this game. Immaculate night. I think he was 16 at 20 or something like that. I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me. I think 15, 20, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And, um, you know, the first drive, he's 99 yards, you know. Runs through 99 yards. Um, if you could say things he has to improve upon, though, after viewing that game, what would you say? Oh, sometimes, I mean, getting the ball out a little bit quicker. I mean, it, it, it's a weird thing to complain about because I th- it was that last touchdown to C.D. Lamb. Or not C.D. Lamb, Charleston Rambo. He, you know, Rambo was wide open. He had that guy beat so much. But if uh, Hertz gets it out probably a second earlier, which is about when he should have gotten it out, mm-hmm. it would have been even easier. He could have hit him in stride and all that stuff. I mean, it was... It's just little things like that, but generally he has such a good grasp of things right now. And one thing that I was really impressed with, one thing that people have talked about in the offseason, they've talked about how Hertz isn't quite the improviser of his two predecessors, which is still true, but he showed a little bit of that against UCLA, against a little bit better front seven this time. That uh, It was that first touchdown to Rambo mm-hmm. when he had to uh, go opposite field when he was trying to run do the... Uh, to the right side, and he had to kind of look back and hit Lamb in stride. But, I mean, he, he did pretty well with yeah. that. One of the things that bugs me about Jalen Hurts is his throwing motion in general. We've yeah, been, of we've course. Been, we've been blessed with Kyler Murray and a Baker Mayfield where they can just, you know, pocket pass it right out there, and it's done. You know, they have a very quick throwing motion, and he could get it out real quick. Jalen, there's like an extra hitch in his throwing motion where you can literally see him cock the ball and load it course, and yeah. then deliver it to you like, Talking about that throw to Charleston Rainbow, that touchdown, I'm like, you know, if he gets rid of the ball a second earlier on a lot of his throws, 
that thing doesn't just go for 20. That thing goes for maybe 40. Yeah. Just because he's getting the ball late because of his long throwing motion. So that's, that's a, and like, is that just like a splitting the hair's gripe? Yeah. Is that who he's going to be as a passer this year? Definitely, yeah. Well, if he goes to the NFL, will that have to change? Yeah, of course. And, I mean, also, it, it, yes. it might not look quite so pretty against Texas or against a, maybe a college football playoff opponent. But right. other than that, it's going to be fine. Like, for the opponent that they're playing right now, he can get away with it, and it's okay. But when a Texas comes to town, or maybe a TCU with a defense, and then definitely a bowl game, you might have some issues. Now, but that's to be said that Jalen Hurts, again, had another Heisman caliber night and that he's rocketing to the top of every Heisman list ever. And he's been playing really well. I mean, there are times that it frustrates me that he won't slide. There are times that, like, he's maybe trying to tempt fate, but he also keeps on saying he's a very religious man. I'm not saying anything wrong about religion, but I'm saying he's like, well, I'm going to get hurt if I, uh, if it's, if it's time to get hurt, if it's God's plan. I'm like, okay, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> like that's not very sound logic just just just, just slide Jalen. so i mean granted he's a very solidly built guy who yeah. sort of brings the pain a little bit and he's capable of breaking some of those tackles so it's a little different than kyler murray or baker mayfield obviously but at the same time there are certain situations where he does need to slide i don't like him being stood up and then him being turned around and backing his way into a first down because a i'm waiting for an ankle yeah or b i'm waiting for a fumble I mean, it's that, it's that simple. He, he just needs to slide. He's starting to get... He got down a little bit against UCLA, except he didn't baseball slide. He head forward He's slid not a, a good slider. Times. And I'm like, okay. You can tell he's never really done it. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's all to be said. Fantastic night. I think he got a helmet sticker on college, ESPN, game day, whatever the hell it was. Studio thing afterwards. I mean, he... It's, it's simple. He is a playmaker... And definitely a playmaker in Lincoln Riley's system. Now, of course, as the same evening, Tua sets the damn passing record for Alabama. So, okay, like, yeah, we get that. That's that's we get we get it loud and clear. It took Nick Saban this entire time to go spread, and now it's working out for Alabama. So that's kind of terrifying. But LSU doing it too. <laughs> Finally, is the ball being spread around too much? I don't think so. But at the same time, once you get into conference play. You start the rotation start to get a little bit smaller. They will, so it's sort of going to take care of itself. The but at the at the same time, I mean, it's not really. Why is AD Miller's ass on the field? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's my that's my, that's my question. Yeah, that, that's a very good question considering how uh, baller Jaden Hazelwood is at the moment. So. Because you had like Rambo with five catches, Calcaterra, Lee Morris, Lee Morris appearance by the way. Part of me early. thinks they just feel sorry for AD Miller because he wasn't able to go to Illinois because of supposedly an academic yeah. issue. So I've been told grad transfer. I've issue. been told possibly, oh, he's a really good blocker. Or to me, it seems like one of those things where Lincoln Riley knows what he has on offense and he's going to pull a fast one, so to speak, on Texas and then just play a shit ton of Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, probably not much the Ois against Texas. I mean, that just seems like the most Lincoln Riley thing to do. Like, oh, oh really? You A.D. Miller, and you have like seven receivers that are better than A.D. Miller right now. I was very happy to see Lee Morris to catch a ball. Finally, and that was really nice. He got two yeah. really great balls. Uh, Grand Calcaterra catching balls in stride, not getting blown up over the middle. Thank, yeah, thank you, Jalen Hurts, for that. You're gonna need Calcaterra over over the the course of the year. Just. Is the ball getting spread around too much? And they asked C.D. Lamb about it, and he's like, "Man, I'm just happy for my teammates." And like, it's not like he didn't get his against South Dakota. Yeah, I mean, he 
you know, he's doing fine. <laughs> and, I think he's fine with all of this. And he's like, yeah, I'm really glad I have really good teammates. That's a sign of having really good teammates. Now, low-key, I'm kind of happy the ball's getting spread around that much because, A, of course, yeah. makes the offense better and more unpredictable. B, if CeeDee Lamb don't get all them catches this year, he has to come back for another year. That, it's, he's Maybe. still gone. <laughs> he's still <laughs> he's, gone. He's still I think gone. the book's out on him. <laughs> Dang it. I mean, he only did say at media days, yeah, it's one of my goals to go pro after this year. But of course. there's still hope. More power to him. But Rambo, man. Let's talk about this man. Fastest kid alive. The man glides. He's got a long stride See, and he that's glides. That's my thing. I was, I was talking to this group about it and I was like, all right, this kid's fast. And I remember watching him, him play Bishop Gorman. And he was the only guy catching touchdown passes for Cedar Hill. And I was like, damn, this guy's hitting all the deep routes. And then, of course, he gets to OU and this is the, that's, the, that's the status quo for him. He's like, oh, he's a deep route guy. He's a burner. He's fast. And then I watch him run. We've been seeing Hollywood and CD and, and not CD. We've been watching Hollywood and DD Westbrook run for the past however many years. Jeff Bidette too. Burner. Jeff Bidette, who gets hurt after hitting multiple cheerleaders several games <laughs> in the year, like not like actually physically hitting them, but like he's running into them on the sideline. He's like, oh, I, I got a torn neck something because I hit a cheerleader on the leg. Like he he did that like twice, and it's like okay, but they had shorter strides, but they had like very very quick beaten legs mm-hmm. this man his strides are like a, a gallop it's like a horse and he is so fast and we were trying to come up with comp the uh, just comps for him like what do, why, why, what what receiver does charlie charlie rambo make you think of can you think of any i'm trying to think of ou receivers with really long strides like that um I mean, Brandon Jones had Brandon a really Jones, long stride. Mark Bradley did. I Bradley, think. that that there you go. That's the one. Mark Bradley for sure. Because Mark Clayton, he had you know he had shorter strides mm-hmm. and he was fast as all get out. And now like we, I say real fast, but now we have the wide receivers that you have today, and they were like they were the pre-spread, like they're pre-Lincoln Riley spread. But I see a lot of Mark Bradley and Charleston Rambo, except maybe he's a little faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, other guys with, I mean. Malcolm Kelly wasn't as fast as right. those two. I mean, obviously, he had long strides, but he wasn't as fast as those but guys. But, yeah, three games into the year, Charleston Rambo's your leading wide receiver for the Oklahoma Sooners. And we're Giddy just, up. And we're just hoping before the season, man, hopefully he can be good to take pressure off of off of CD. And, I mean, CD's taking the pressure away, definitely. They're, they are bracketing him, and it's leaving Rambo wide open, which is a bad idea because is he as fat? Is We've got a as, growling dog yeah. under us. Hello, dog. Yeah, yeah, he's growling or he wants a belly rub. Complaining about how long we're taking, but I mean, is he as fast as Hollywood? No, but is he fast enough and physical enough to take the top of a defense? Absolutely, he is. And so, I mean, CD Lamb. I mean, that's just to say he had a couple of targets during the UCLA game. One catch. He had multiple catches actually, but a couple of them get called back for holding calls, which is in its own issue right now. Uh, I tweeted out. You know what Bill Beatonbow was gonna say to his offensive line as soon as he got back into the meeting room on on Sunday, but you know Ceedee Lamb, one actual catch, one kind of like run play off a of reverse, two touchdowns. Those defenders were not ready for that cut on that run <laughs> at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> because well, one of them was one's a defensive back, and you're like okay maybe, and he's the one playing upfield, and then one's a linebacker, and once CD split them. There's no way that guy in front of him's catching him. They were doing shrug emoji after yeah. that play, I'm pretty sure. And there's no way that linebacker even barely touched CD. So, I mean, CD Lamb, enjoy it while you while you have him. But at the same time, 
there are some very good wide receivers in the fold coming up, which makes me think again, A.D. Miller, there's no way he should be playing that much at all, ever. Drake Stoops sighting, though. That that catch was nice. It was a nice catch. It was behind him, so he had to do some Real theatrics. gritty catch on his part. And I heard the big Stoops, yeah? The big Stoops in the stadium. That was that was nice. And uh, so, yeah, the receivers, they're good at Oklahoma. The receivers, tight end, everything. What about the defense? What did what struck you about the defense during this game at, in Pasadena? Well, obviously the pass rush continued to thrive. Yeah. The front seven was pretty damn good. Uh, Brian Osamoa. Nice. Yeah, really fast. He's got and, closing speed. And Jaden Davis, he's already the best tackler of all the corners. Mm-hmm. He's more physical than all of them. Yeah. I mean, how do you... I mean, by the way, if he's going to take snaps from anyone, it's probably going to be Trey Brown more likely than Parnell Motley at this point. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking before the season yeah. whatsoever. And I think that's, that's interesting because Trey Brown, after the game, was pretty upset about with himself. And he was like, man... I've worked on so many different parts of my game that I've stopped working on tackling. He's like, I'm a good tackler. I pride myself on my tackling. You work on my high school high school tape, high school film. Trey Brown talking about how much of a good tackler he is. He was the is. best tackler of all the yeah. corners a year ago. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? i got to get back to some more basics. I'm a good tackler. And he seemed pretty determined. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, Jaden Davis looks really determined to stay on the field. And he's a definite dude, you know? Um, and he's he's a guy that you can probably pencil in one one hundred percent of that rotation, and you're not really sure who that maybe that second cornerback spot is for the backup for Parnell Motley, but you know, Jaden Davis, Trey Brown missed the tackle. Jaden Davis is in for him. Immediately. Davis has already surpassed Jordan Parker. Yeah, I mean it's it's been impressive, one hundred percent. So I mean, I, I agree. Front seven, holy crap, that defensive line, regardless who was playing there, killed him. Neville Gallimore. Dude blew up to center every single time. God. <laughs> Leron got, Stokes looks good. We got my dog in the room, and he's yep. been under the table, just like hanging out, and now he's decided to he's, just jump on us and he's get He's mean scratches. mugging me right now. Yeah, he's a pansy. But, I mean, Leron Stokes, amazing. J- uh, Jalen Redmond, the guy, just completely blows up guards and gets a sack in the backfield. Uh, Ronnie Perkins getting contained and stuff like that. It's just so amazing. Isaiah Thomas side what they're able to do. Pretty nice. And I've just never, I've never seen that from Oklahoma. Okay, I've seen it from Oklahoma, but we have not seen it in so long that it's just really enjoyable to watch. Now that one sack that Redmond had to where DTR just had no time to throw the ball where Oklahoma's defense busted. I mean, holy crap. The, the way they're able to pursue him and DTR is not slow. No, he's not. He's a quick cat. And for them to get him down in the backfield was amazing. Now, it was like second and 20-something or third and 20-something, and so they got a first down like the next play. Anyways, so. I do want to see these guys against offensive lines that don't suck, Yeah, obviously, which UCLA's fits the bill of sucking, And obviously. Texas Tech, their offensive line is not really much to brag about. Are they better than UCLA? Yes. But is their offensive line much to brag about? They've got Jet no. Duffy behind them now. Yeah. God. Who was not good. That's concerning for them. I feel I feel bad for Alan Bowman. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's, he's good. good. But he's made of glass, man. Yeah. He has made of glass. Um, and so I mean it's just it's nice to watch the defense. Now, Patrick Fields had a bad day. Delarian Turner Yell, this day wasn't too bad. Not bad. He's definitely a guy that is not meant to play 
out of the box as a safety. He's Safeties a guy, are clearly the weak link, though. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, cornerbacks, you you can you know Parnell Motley's going to play to the best of his abilities. You know you at least have Trey Brown when he's focused. is really good. You have a Jaden Davis coming on. You know, Buki's playing better at the nickel, Buki, obviously. Buki had a kind of like insignificant day, and, and it all comes down to tackling again. He had that one guys. missed tackle over the middle on that long run, but then on the next play, he had a TFL. Yeah. So, like, it was just, like, pretty insignificant, I would say. But then it, like, you look at Pat Fields, man, that kid had a rough day. But at the same time, like, you know, Delarian Turner, yell. He didn't have the—he honestly didn't have the best day against, uh, what, South Dakota State? And he came out and played pretty decent against UCLA, and uh, you know Pat Fields he had a he had a pretty decent couple showings prior to in against uh, South Dakota and Houston. So they're not consistent. The, yeah, and this goes back to what Grinch was saying in the preseason that those two guys have been okay, but there hasn't been anyone to push them. Mm-hmm. So who would even threaten to uh, keep the, them on their toes right. at this point? I That's mean. The thing. Justin Broyles came in and made some plays. He had that PBU, yeah, that was nice on that fourth down. But you start to think like, okay, can Jaden Davis like play safety or something or something? But you know, I think I think the key is not necessarily these guys suck. Now it's a deal with like it's a deal with maybe the lack of talent. But I think the bigger question here is what Grinch also talked about in the offseason is can we get twenty two guys on defense to play at a high level consistently? Because I think Delarian Turner Yell and I think Patrick Fields can play at high levels, but can they do it consistently? They haven't done it this year. And the other guys, you know, on the field, now I really understand why Alex Grinch is talking about, oh, can we get 22 guys to play consistently at a high level? Because he's rotating a ton of bodies and they're keeping them fresh. And I guess we're just going to have to get used to not seeing Kenneth Murray on the field sometimes and not seeing Deshaun White on the field sometimes because. They're rotating bodies everywhere, not just in the trenches to keep them solid. Like, Alex Grinch was like, yeah, basically. And they're going to appreciate that in the long run. Oh, yeah. Once the late stage of the season come around, they're going to be a little bit more fresh. I mean, obviously, right now, as competitive guys, a guy like Kenneth Murray, he wants to be on the field as much as possible. But in the long run, this is the this is a positive. Yeah, Alex Grinch was basically saying, there's no way you keep a Neville Gallimore on the field for 70 snaps and he's being effective those 70 snaps. You're going to you're gonna need to take him off the field occasionally for him to be completely effective, which I agree with. And Oklahoma has the depth, a defensive line to do that. And getting Kenneth Mann back within the next couple weeks, you know, or maybe just against Texas. Having said that, they do, yeah, they don't have that at safety right now. They're not really, they, they they don't really don't able to rotate, not in meaningful situations at least. Like a Brian Meade. He, he, he's where he's supposed to be. Is he athletic, as athletic as the other guys? No. But is he where he's supposed to be? Hell yes, he is. I didn't remember seeing any Levi Draper against UCLA. I don't remember seeing Robert Barnes at all. I think I saw Robert Barnes like once or twice. Oh, okay. Um, well, not very much, though. But not much at all to notice anything. Of course, linebackers, you saw Brian Osamoa. You saw um, any of the other two starters. Nick Benito, David Uguebu, John Michael Terry. You saw a lot of guys. And even you saw, uh, you know, the cornerbacks, Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, Jaden Davis. Saw little Ryan Jones, too. Little Ryan that Jones, that's right. For, for, he escaped my mind for a second, but he, he, he's been playing well. But again, another inconsistency. Uh-huh. And then it's just those two in the back that you're like, all right, can we establish some sort of consistency? And it's just concerning because Larry Turner Yale, he's a safety that's meant for the SEC or the Big Ten. He's a guy that's, that played box safety 
while he was in high school. So he's not out there playing center field, making interceptions. He's over there blowing heads off of tight ends and running backs, running downhill. So like against Texas, useful. But playing Texas Tech, if they had Alan Bowman, not the best. <laughs> and it's just like, you. then you start to wonder, man, like Oklahoma's been recruiting guys. Robert Barnes was a consensus, consensus or composite five-star safety. And of course, he had the lung injury. This zapped his speed, but it's the smart players still find a way to get on the field, and it's just been, it's been disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because he's a guy who sort of fits the mold of what Alex Grinch likes in his safeties. He's a long guy, really athletic. Long, ath- athletic. I, at some point, I would say just put him down at like a linebacker or something. I don't know. Have him gain like like a oh not Travis Lewis. What was the other guy? Lewis Baker. Lewis Baker went from linebacker to safety, of course, but that was the old style of offense. Just have him come down and play, like make him useful. He is a dynamic athlete. He's just not as fast as he used to be. Now, let's talk about what we learned from UCLA. The offensive line played better, and from what I've been reading and what I've been t- being told, they feel good with Eric Swinson at left tackle. He played a lot better. Yeah, he played, and you can tell that Bill Bedembo ripped into them. He was pissed after the South Dakota game, and. They asked him, like, oh, is, is practice harder this week? And he's like, why don't you ask them? I was like, okay, well, it sounds like practice was harder. That sounds That's terrifying, like, actually. <laughs> like, like, yeah, Bill Bedenbo being pissed is a uh, – that's a good thing for the offensive line. But I'll strike the fear of God into you. They, they played better. I mean, especially having Marquise Hayes back, and then Creed Humphrey's just always solid. Tyrese Robinson, the guy's uh, the one that wouldn't stop holding. It's always something. And but otherwise, the offensive line played better, but – the question is, how much better are they? I mean, UCLA's front seven is the best they've played all year, and they brought back starter. Like, during the pregame intro, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's been out. Also, by the way, these four or five starters have been out, and they're playing against Oklahoma, too. So there's no telling how healthy they were or how and, not I mean, they didn't they have uh, Keyshawn Lucia South yeah. either. He's, he's, not, he's probably their best front seven member, and he hasn't been there for the first four games. It was an academic issue. Like, I believe, their best but. corner was playing against OU. I was like, dude, just save the kid. Like, <laughs> just save him for the next game. Don't do this to him. But how much better is this offensive line? Because we, we all came away from this game thinking, all right, they have some stuff to clean up still, but this is a much better performance than – I expected to see after watching the first half of South Dakota. Of course, yeah. I mean, this is always going to be a process. I mean, you're probably, based on what I've seen, it, it's not going to be a finished product by Texas. Does it necessarily have to be? You'd like it to You'd be. You'd like it to be. <laughs> You'd obviously like it to be. But you could, we've seen in the past that you could theoretically beat them without that being the case. Yeah. They're going to be a lot closer by that point. And this is a very talented group, obviously. And Texas defensively, they they haven't been quite as good as maybe we thought they were. What? That's blasphemy. How dare you? Don't DBU. tell Kirk Herbstreet. But uh they're only like 114th in the nation in returning production on defense. But yeah, nobody's exactly. talking about exactly. it. Exactly. No one I mean yeah, they only had like three returning starters on defense or Caden something. Caden like Stearns that. has yeah. been all right, but not Caden Stearns su- is great. But not the superstar that I thought he would be when I voted him as Big 12 defensive player of the year, Kenneth Murray has been, oh, my dog is angry at my neighbor. But anyway, Or is he angry at you? Probably both. Kenneth Murray has looked like the defensive player of the year. He really has. I mean, and we were laughing about that yes, coming into the I season. I was laughing very much. Allen was going off on people over that. And, I saying mean, how stupid it was voting for this kind of thing in the preseason, which he's correct about. But 
That's a it's testament. turned out to be, and I'm not giving credit to the media at all right, for like right. voting him for of that course. position, but with the defensive staff change, clearly it's benefited him. Big He's, fan of Brian Odom. Oh, God, yeah. Big Absolutely. Fan. Loves him. Best linebacker coach in America, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't lying. I mean, well, maybe point. a little bit, but he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's getting coaching he wasn't receiving prior, and that's all that matters. Um, how real is the defense? Because through three games, I mean, you look at the Houston game, because what I was really proud of of them for the fourth quarter against UCLA was it's 48-14. to UCLA is going to score seven to four, seven to ten point, seven to ten points of garbage time, and it's going to look this game look closer. And Oklahoma still cover the spread, but it's going to make this game look closer. And they buckled down, and they didn't let UCLA score another point after that, B, especially that BS drive to open the the second half, the seventy five yards. And- See, and you saw them sort of rest on their laurels in the first two games down the stretch a little bit. Some of that had to do with yeah. substitutions, yeah. But there were a lot of substitutions in this game as well, and they really buckled down, like you said. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they weren't lackadaisical whatsoever. Well, what the fuck was that? It sounds like a motorcycle. Yeah. I don't know. It was either a motorcycle or a dog. But it's just like... Creepy nonetheless. It's, it's just really interesting because you see what happened in the first game. They go into that fourth quarter, like what, 48-17 to 17 or something like that, right? Against Houston? Uh, yes, yeah, 42-17, yeah. And you're like, okay, this game's over. And Houston continues to score, and the game turns out, you know, 31-49 to 40, 49 or whatever the heck, the heck the game score was. And you're like, okay, this score is not indicative of how the entire game went. And you look at South Dakota, and you're like, okay, well, it's South Dakota. And then you look at UCLA, like, okay, that is that score is indicative of how the game went. Oklahoma just beat their ass. And I think... And Alex Grinch always talks about he needs to coach him a little bit better as far as especially in mentality. But at the same time, what I really liked was Oklahoma not giving up those points. And Oklahoma still going after turnovers at the end of the game against UCLA because it's the little things. Championship teams do the little things, which is I don't care if it's your second team. Go out and do the job against that first team offense. And against Houston, they weren't doing it. And they knew they had the game wrapped up. And so they, you know, Houston got some garbage time scoring. It's like the Kansas game last year when they scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Under Alex Grinch, I guarantee you that is not going to happen at all. He will be pissed. And also the camera picked up Alex Grinch screaming, let's fucking go about two or three times during the game. And that was nice. pretty great. And he was very angry. I didn't even see that. I wish I had seen it. Oh, that. man, it, it's great. He, it's, it's wonderful to have a fiery defensive coach. That's actually a good defensive coach while also being on like the sideline. Pro- it, it's productive fire. Yeah. Not like Mike Stoops just like having an aneurysm. Gosh, it's such an issue. But Jaden Davis becoming a player, do you think he actually starts by the end of the season? Like Jaden? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that Trey Brown has done poorly enough to give up his post. Okay. And Piemont has done everything asked of him at this point. I mean, he's number one on pro football focuses. He is on yards per defended. attempt, yeah. I mean, not bad. Granted, <laughs> it's, it's who he's defending. But <laughs> yeah, he, of course. The, the, that but athlete, like I said, you can't really ask much more of him at this point. Right. I mean, he's been doing his job. He's been tackling. Yeah. And, you know. And, uh, it no. helps to have a fire lit under your ass, and that fire is Alex Grinch. Trey Brown's got an interception. Buki's got an interception. Ryan Jones got an interception. They forced five turnovers over two games, but we'll say three games because they've played three games. Five turnovers in two games this year. 
They got close to forcing one against UCLA when uh, D.R. King fumbled the ball, but five turnovers, two games. They had 11 total last year. What the hell? Uh, I mean... <laughs> and now... And a lot of it just comes down to being competent defensively, not necessarily seeking out turnovers. They I mean, that's a part of it. In the damn back, they they yes, might as well have been wearing DTR's clothes. Yeah, and see, DTR, you could tell if he had a competent offensive line, he would be pretty productive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a. I mean, you saw that at the end of the year last year. He he looked like a good quarterback, and he hadn't thrown interceptions in his career until. This past Saturday, we threw two. Yeah. One was, I just loved it. Trey Brown, you had the entire defense looking back at the quarterback and for the ball, and you're like, oh, bless my heart. This is wonderful. <laughs> because that's that's not been a thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, the second one was, it was garbage time, but they're still making plays. Ryan Jones still went down to the ground for it. It's still impressive. And OU defensive line, I don't think I've been this excited about a front four or a front seven for Oklahoma. Or front six or whatever. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, because it's four down and two in the back. But, like, whatever, three, three, whatever you want to call. Uh, but or four, two. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dude, I don't even. Front six, whatever. It's, it's, it is what it it's is. a defensive front. Yeah. I have not been this excited about a front four, five, six, whatever, in a four, two, five scheme. Not in a long time. 2011, probably, when it was... Uh... Ron L. Lewis and Frank Alexander on the Could ends. you imagine a Ron L. Lewis as a jackpacker in this scheme? Holy Ooh, man. shit. He'd kill people. He might get ejected from games, though. He would. <laughs> he would. He is a he is head uh, He would have been ejected three times over against Stanford on those special teams plays. That was so fun. They I was him. in the crowd for that one. Those hits were so loud. Called them the hammer. Oh, man. Like, holy crap. That, that was They had uh, Gerhardt Stanford, right? Yeah. And uh, Oklahoma was Gerhardt was the real deal, by the way. I, he he converted me after that game. I I thought he should have beaten Mark Ingram for the Heisman. Ooh, but, interesting. Yeah, that well, the the vote was really close there. Yeah. Well, see here, Dominican Sue should have should have won, won the Heisman won, that year. But the bias towards offensive, stats. of course, yeah. As far as the running backs are concerned, but turns out Dominican Sue is a shitty person. So I'm not. I don't feel bad. He didn't win the Heisman. In hindsight. In hindsight. At the time, we thought he was just this, you know, solid kid. Mm-hmm. But no, he's very dirty. Him and GK were on rosters at the same time. Him and Joe McCoy. And they played that great game against each other in 9 Great defensive game. Where Landry they, Jones had a bit of a rough both, both quarterbacks kept on throwing interceptions. It was just Landry a defensive had five, duel. I think? Yeah, it's too many. Yeah, <laughs> too many in my opinion. But, man, like, that defensive line, Ronnie Perkins, LaRon Stokes, who has just been more than what we thought. We thought maybe he could be pretty good. We didn't think, okay, he's he's a definite starter material. But Ronnie Perkins, LaRon Stokes, Marquise Overton's been playing well. Uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, oh, Jalen Redmond, uh, Fama Ta'u, who's coming on. And just, it's... it's and now Kenneth Mann's coming back Kenneth and adding Mann's depth. Kenneth Mann's coming back, yeah. Like you gotta love that, and then with the yeah with the with the Kenneth Murray who's playing the way he's supposed to. Now, is are Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White sometimes missing gap integrity, missing the holes? Sometimes you saw that a little bit against UCLA with Kenneth Murray, but he's definitely cut down on it, which is going to encourage. But yeah, you can tell they're being coached. They're being coached well. At the same time, 
you can just tell they're more confident in themselves. So I've got to appreciate that. Um, it's week three, technically week four now. Let's say it's after the Texas game. Let's say that the Red River rivalry has just passed. Oklahoma, let's say Oklahoma won. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oklahoma won or lost. Are the same five defensive backs they're throwing out there the same ones that are playing after Texas? If I had to guess, I'd say yes. But in, in its safety, it's because of a lack of alternatives. Talent, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I don't picture Buki relinquishing that spot mm-hmm. at nickel. I don't – I mean, Jaden Davis is the only guy who you could really see threatening to take a spot, but at the same time, the guys ahead of him haven't really done quite enough to warrant being replaced at this point. I mean, Trey Brown yeah. obviously has been a little bit shaky at times. But, but he's we knew he was the best defensive yeah, back coming into exactly. this year. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I, if you – as far as starters are concerned, I bet it stays the same. Okay, but rotation, you think? Rotation maybe a wise, yeah, Jaden Davis is going to continue to get more time. I think that and I think he's going to be a baller for this defense next year. I think it's fair to say. And I want I want to take you through this before we go to break. I want to take you through this uh, hypothetical hell and uh, ninth ninth circle of hell. Mike Stoops is still coaching this defense. Same personnel. They're in a two-gap scheme and getting no penetration with that amazing front four that has been been able to just kill offensive linemen. What kind of bad things is happening? They to maybe lose late backs? to Houston. Yeah, maybe they don't have that that cushion. Probably you're not. They don't have that great first quarter. Yeah. Probably yeah. Like I was thinking about it the other day, Oklahoma. If Oklahoma's still in a two-gap scheme. They're not getting penetration up field. They're not, they're not making life hell for quarterbacks. Patrick Fields and Delirian Turner Yell, we think they look bad now. And I don't think they've been terrible. I just think they've been inconsistent. Dude, come on. Anyways, <laughs> um, but you you combine that with, oh, they are not being protected at all by their defensive line. And there's literally, they're just getting attacked how bad that's going to look or how bad that would look. I'll rephrase what I said about that Houston game. I bet Jalen Hurts has to play the entire game. I would that's probably what changes. Fair. OU edges them out just because of how good they are offensively, but they have to keep Jalen Hurts in the game. Yeah. If it's, that were the case. Isn't that a scary thought? Yeah. You ever think about Mike Stoops in this defense? Because the defense they have right now, we're like, okay, not a bad defense. I mean, like, it's not the best, but you can definitely tell they're making strides. And... If he sometimes is really pissed that this defensive line, Jalen Redmond, is full go, that defensive line is nasty, and he's like ever waiting. He's like, damn it, they're using my product on the field sort of deal. I think it's just really funny to talk about. Oh, of course. But we're going to go to a break for our sponsors. But before we do, afterwards, we're going to talk about bi-week stuff to get better at. Jalen hurts some more talking about old good old Barry Trammell and then just stuff going on right now. But here's a break for our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All 
All right, Jack, it's the bye week. Lincoln Riley probably can do some things to get the team to be better. So if you are Lincoln Riley, what are the things you're working on this week? Because to me, I'm honestly, I'm working on Texas for the first half of the week. Of course. Then the second half of the week, I'm then focusing on maybe Texas Tech. Or I might just focus on Texas the entire week and then focus on Texas Tech the following game week. So what what are you doing, though, if you're Lincoln Riley? What's what's your game plan to make the team better? It's kind of hard to say at this point because of the competition, honestly. That's fair. And, I mean, you would say, oh, I mean, the tackling needs a little bit of work. How much tackling practice are you going to have in practice? Not very much. Right. So and It's not like the linebackers are just missing exactly. tackles. Exactly, no. Right. It, there's a little bit with gap discipline there, so yeah. I guess you can pinpoint that. As far as assignments with the safeties, they need a little work. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... That's not something that we're not that's not something that's mystifying that's something exactly that's very apparent yeah to that's us. something that we would probably expect to be an issue going into the season you can just give the defensive line presence yeah for how nice they've been <laughs> for real dude yeah just like give some impermissible benefits to jalen redmond <laughs> ronnie <Yeah. Perkins. laughs> buy them another charger that's a joke nobody's uh... nobody's paying players at all <laughs> uh but you know like you know, I'm not really sure you spend your bye week other than just like whipping the offensive line continuously into shape, right? Yeah, of course. And like, obviously, we're not going to learn anything from these next two games either. Because <laughs> yeah, Jet oh Duffy's playing That's, for Texas Tech. That makes me so angry, like in so many ways. Like, does it relieve me a little bit? Yes. Does it make me Knowing angry? Knowing that OU is going to be undefeated heading into OU Texas is a nice thought. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I was getting nervous, but also anxious to see how Oklahoma's going to handle that was going to be a nice barometer spread attack and now Alan Bowman is a great quarterback made of glass and then you replace him with Jet Duffy now I say that OU played in Lubbock last year and Jet Duffy came in and Oklahoma destroyed him for like three series and then he they they just started throwing the ball again and even though all these balls he were throwing were lame ducks and they sucked they were still racking up yards against Oklahoma. Happens when was, you don't like, turn God, around, but yes. It pisses me off, but it's just like... They are turning around It's now. like, oh, sweet, Oklahoma's finally going to get the real test in Texas Tech and the spread offense, what they're going to look like in the Big 12. And Alan Bowman's gone. Okay, never mind then. So, like, you if you're, off, if you're Lincoln Riley, you're whipping the offensive line, and really... You have no other complaints against about the offense because it's going well. I mean, yeah, like, of course. the only thing you're worried about is holding penalties because a Kyler Murray and a Baker Mayfield are more likely to get you a first down and third and 15 than a Jalen Hurts will because Jalen takes off. So that might be something you work on in the, in the bye week too is just, hey, bro, like go past your first read and maybe even your second read, especially when you have nine seconds and a clean pocket to throw the ball. Of course. Like, come on. Now, does it make for really cool throws? You throwing across your body, which I hate, by the way. I hate it when Jalen Hurts throws across his body because it's rule number one for quarterbacks. Don't do it. But he the does last anyways. two quarterbacks have thrown across their body a whole lot. So they, they are the best they quarterbacks have great, in college football they have, the, they have more arm talent than anyone Oklahoma's ever had in their program, and I'm including that with Sam Bradford. Just so like their, their accuracy and, and power on their arm. Jalen's got a powerful arm. Don't get me wrong. That accuracy with the little extra whip and extra tin she puts on the ball, it's concerning, but that's just who we knew who he was. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, is he throwing the ball at a higher clip at a better rate than Baker Mayfield and uh, Kyler Murray? Or yes. anyone in college football like, this year. Like, 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 oh, yeah, I was saying, oh, if, if Jalen Hurts can complete 66 67% of his passes, Oklahoma will be fine. 
complete 73 percent of his passes like okay well it looks like i was stupid but you know it's it's a small sample size we're gonna wait till texas we're gonna wait till iowa state we're gonna wait till tcu but there's not a lot to complain about on the offensive side besides the offensive line and then on the defense you know it's the defensive backs again but at a lesser clip and then hey meeting old pal good old pal carry cooks in lubbock this this next week see how those defensive backs are not turning their heads around so that'll be fun when they're in man and uh not even knowing Jalen Hurts is running. Fortunately right for Texas Tech, he's only coaching the safeties oh. and not coaching their cornerbacks. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, reflection time. What are some of your surprises or some things that you definitely thought going into the season that were going to be things that have not or have been things through the first three games? Okay, so with the front seven, we expected them to be pretty good and probably the strength of this defense. I didn't expect definitely. them to be this good. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Because I thought, man, that front seven, although the back four or five may struggle a little bit where, you know, Parno Molly's been playing well. Trey Brown, he's been playing well. He just had a crappy game. Buki's been playing very well in response to last year. like that. But that front seven, though, they're going to save their ass quite a few times. And they have for the safeties. But yeah, I agree with that statement. Then another, you know, Jaden Davis pushing this hard for playing time. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite expect that. Yeah. I I mean, you know, we, until not long before the season, we thought Trey Norwood would be a factor. And then you, th- and then I towards the. forgetting about him. And, yeah, exactly. And then towards the beginning of the season, you thought maybe Jordan Parker was going to be mm-hmm. that backup guy. And then all of a sudden, Jaden Davis is looking like a guy who could start right now. Mm. St. So, Thomas Aquinas. I mean. Powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, any any thoughts about the offensive side of the ball? Oh, let's see. As far as surprises are concerned, or maybe not surprises, but things that you thought were going to the season were going to be truths, or things that you expected to see happen going into the season, but have not been so far, or things that you didn't think were going to happen, but I, you have been. I maybe thought I'd see a little more of Trajan Bridges. That's my main complaint. Would be one thing. Yeah, like that was. I mean, obviously, he is getting playing time with oh, special uh, he's, teams. Yeah, well, also in the late stages of games, and he's looking good when he's going in there. Yeah, but I, I guess I was expecting to maybe see him in the rotation at the slot, just because yeah. he has that in his tool belt. Yeah, but let's see. We've seen a lot of Nick Basquin there, though. He and seems to be holding it down fairly well. Fairly he's well. look. He's he's looking all right. But at the same time, you you know, if you're Nick, that. Trajan's a little bit better. Yeah. Jaden Hazelwood's real good. Of course. But uh, we're not seeing any Michael Jones. I thought we'd see a lot more. We're seeing more 80 Miller than Michael Jones. That's not, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, see, Why? That, that, that's one thing I was not expecting to see this much of 80 Miller. I wasn't expecting to see any 80 Miller. I was expecting to see that man hold a clipboard or something. Like I said, I think maybe they just feel sorry for him. Because he didn't get to go get big-time playing time at Illinois. And like I've said this before, he's not a bad receiver. He's just not up to snuff with the other guys that are playing on the outside at Oklahoma. And that includes the guys who are backing him up. Yeah. Where did he come from? Like Bishop Dunn or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's in the Dallas area. Um, But, I mean, I would say some things that I'm surprised by, maybe. I was 100% convinced we'd see Jeremiah Cradell. We have not seen much of him at all. Like, yeah. at all. We saw a little bit of him in South Dakota. That's it. 
Um, Heading I, into the fall, I thought maybe he would push for one of the starting spots oh, yeah. of safety. Or a, or a nickel or yeah. something, but nothing so far. And then, of course, um, I'll go with the wide receivers. I thought, again, I thought as well we'd see a lot of Trajan Bridges. And I, the season, of course, is not even close to being over right now. And I think we'll still see plenty of him down the road. Hazelwood, I think, will get playing time as the Big 12 season progresses. So just these are just you know small things, but not a lot of reaction. I was like, I figured the front four would be pretty good. I'm like I said plenty of times, this front front four six seven whatever on paper should be pretty good. I would say another major surprise is John Michael Terry playing as Michael well. Michael Terry's gonna be holding the edge very well very out there, and on paper you know that front seven, front seven six whatever pretty good, pretty nice. And then they have delivered, which is really great. I mean, Lincoln Riley kept on using the word violent. He said he loves how violent they're being, which is a nice way. Refreshing. Lead. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about Jalen Hurts. He next questioned Barry Trammell after being asked about his possible season stats. On con- he, he, Rat poison. He, he smiled at Trammell when he's like, oh, Jalen, how do you, what do you expect to have Barry's by Barry's got to just be like, not again. I thought I was done with Russell yeah. Westbrook. <laughs> And Jalen just kind of smiles and smirks, and he's like, "Next question." And I was like, "Oh God, that's a st- put it into my veins, please inject it into my veins." Jalen Hurts, the most kind man that you can probably meet at Oklahoma right now, kind, philosophical, just with the ultimate savagery towards. Next Mr. question, Trammell. though. I'm not going to. So quit asking. You know the, the Nick Saban sort of deal. Like, oh my gosh, I loved it. But uh, <laughs> that's just the best, you know. And mock draft Jalen Hurts, first round to the Colts, apparently, is what they're saying right now. Ooh, not the Colts. <laughs> hey, man, I, yeah, I'm i a Steelers fan, and Big Ben had a season-ending injury, and I'm just like, oh, no, I'm so sad. I wanted, I want them to put Big Ben at the pasture a long time ago. Then they gave him a massive extension. So bring Jalen to Pittsburgh. Will he start and be really good? Probably not, especially not in that system. But How's, What's your feeling on Mason Rudolph, like at this point in time? He can throw the deep ball really well, and he obviously has chemistry with James Washington. I feel if he's going to be the future, I'm happy that he gets basically this full season audition. I don't feel bad. In no way do I think he's a really bad quarterback. I think he's a really young quarterback, and they just got rid of Antonio Brown for good reason. Did you consider this somewhat of a throwaway season for the Steelers, like a transitional year because of all of that? I was curious what would happen. Defense, I knew they had been getting better. And they just traded for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's a nice trade. Which, again, it's like, okay, they're bolstering their defense. They're going defense again. And, um, you know, if Rudolph can turn into something that many people thought he could turn into, then, you know, that could be a good team. But this season, I thought, you know, they might go 7-9. and nine. Um, I'll pose this question to you. If Oklahoma flips quarterbacks with Mason Rudolph and Landry Jones... Well, is Oklahoma a better team with a Mason Rudolph in comparison? To Landry Jones? They they weren't there at the same time. They weren't there at the same time. Mm-hmm. But is Oklahoma a better football team with Mason Rudolph instead of Landry Jones? It's hard to say because Mason wasn't as good with the intermediate stuff. Landry was really good at that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mason. So it's kind of difficult to say. And, I mean, I don't think Rudolph, if he was there at the time, I'm trying to think. What about from a leadership standpoint? From a leadership standpoint, probably a slight upgrade. Neither of them are very fiery. Mm-hmm. Mason was definitely fierier than Landry Jones, yeah. obviously. 
I think the days of having a Landry Jones leading the Oklahoma Suitors at quarterback yeah. are Landry done. Jones had the personality of a cold fish. Yeah. Now we're bringing in Spencer Rattlers and uh, what's-his-face, the kid from Georgia, the five-star. Vandergriff, who yeah. broke his collarbone, I believe. Not great, but he's going to be awesome, and he's, he's, he's got an edge to him, too. So. He's two years out, too. Yeah, exactly. But I thought that was an interesting question. Um, all right. Anyways, right now going on, is Oklahoma a playoff contender? Yeah. Yeah, of course. They look like it. Yeah, absolutely. I, it all depended on offensive line, which appears to be getting better, and that defense, which are they the best? No. In S&P, are they in the, I think they're in the 50s right now, S&P plus on defense. Now, will it climb? They're good enough to play? where the offense doesn't have to score a touchdown on every yeah. possession and shootouts anymore. Like, uh, that that's... That means so much. Will, will defensive S&P climb during the Big 12 play? Yes. But right now they're in, like, I think like 58 or something like that. But if they end up in the 60s, I'm not going to complain because they were in the 80s last year. And then Alex Grinch, while he was at Washington State, they took a small a small little jump, you know, from his first to during his first year there. And then it was that next year in his scheme, which they took a massive leap into, okay, it's a good defense. And the next year... An even better leap. Okay, this is a good defense. So, I mean, I expect Oklahoma's defense to be pretty decent. And right now, if they stay healthy, especially in the secondary, if they can stay healthy, they're a playoff contender right now. And that's It's that simple. Now, who in your estimation, maybe in the top 10, is the most overrated team in America? Well, can we say Michigan anymore? I guess they're not. Are they in the top 10 anymore? No, but they're... somebody better give Army some damn respect. For real. Oh, see, in SB Nation fan polls, the Oklahoma fans give Army respect. They're number 25 in the poll. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not the case in the general and they poll. And so. they should have actually beat Michigan. They should have, yeah. Now, they should have beat Oklahoma last year, and somebody asked Kenneth Murray about it, and he's like, yeah, now everybody knows like how much of a, of a bitch it is to defend them, but... I mean, if you put Oklahoma's front six seven out there today against Army, it think, might get away from Army. Yeah, I think that I think that game's a little bit different because Oklahoma's playing one gap and they're running downhill instead of trying to catch and see what's happening. But uh, and there's negative plays being forced, but uh, that's that's to be seen. But I don't I don't think Michigan's a fair answer. But I would say I still think LSU's overrated. I think. Well, do I think LSU is going to be a good team in the SEC? I'm sure. I'm sure they will be. They'll probably give Bama a game because Bama has its own little issues. Yeah, they do. Their front seven, they're very they, inexperienced. Yeah, they're playing possibly four true freshmen in this. In, not in. I mean, they're playing like Southern Miss this week, right. so it's not going to matter. But they've and had so many injuries. They were playing close to South Carolina, and they kind of got hosed on several calls against South Carolina. And uh, yeah, Bama. I, I said I said this multiple times. I don't think they're going to be in the college football playoff. I think they might get beat twice this year. Maybe between Georgia and LSU or Georgia, A&M, Auburn, somebody's going to beat them twice. I don't feel confident because there are some there are some legit flaws you can point out. Where do they have to play LSU this year? I haven't looked. I think it's Death Valley, isn't it? If that's the case, then you know, put them on alert. Obviously, man, I love I love Nick. I love. When LSU plays that, they don't play anymore. It's so they, good. I think they sometimes get away with it and play it. I think the fans they tried still, it last year. The fans like still that. chant it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I do love Bama playing Dixieland Delight too. It's good. They tried to do that last year, and they've like pumped in the alternative words mm-hmm. like other than "fuck Auburn." Yeah, it, they they like piped in "beat Auburn" or yeah. something like that. So great. 
and you have Oklahoma that fans get angry if you just stand up during the game. <laughs> yeah, that's the most embarrassing thing. Ugh. But overrated, I'll go with LSU. Now, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State, offensive, legitimate quarterback, going pretty well. See, now that they're actually running like an actual offense, I'm I'm hesitant to call them overrated. We'll see. You know, I feel like they're actually legitimate. It's we'll take a wait and see approach. It's only three weeks, so we can't get too excited. This weekend, big game, huge game. Georgia Notre Dame. Who you got? Georgia by a lot. Really? Because Notre Dame's run defense sucks, and Georgia's offensive line is a bunch of ass kickers. Yeah. And they have Swift at running back. I really they're, like Jake they're go. I think they're going to eat. Yeah. I think I think they're going to beat. I, what, I think the spread's like 14 and a half. Yeah. They're going to beat that. Jake from State Farm or Jake from State Farm. Uh, really love Jake from. He, he was my favorite guy off of QB1 the first I season. I feel like he's sort of unfairly labeled as a game manager sometimes. He I think can he make too. a lot of throws. He's going to play in the NFL. Like, I mean, there's a reason that Easton had to transfer and that yeah. Josh, Justin Fields had to transfer. He reminds me of all those underrated Georgia quarterbacks that have gone to the NFL and had pretty decent careers. I mean, like, there's been plenty of good Georgia quarterbacks now where they under Mark Richt and they never really amounted to anything other than just, like, dash topes and dreams. Sure. But I think Jake Fromm's really good, so I think Georgia will win that game by a couple touchdowns too. Um, beginner's guide to who to root for between Oklahoma State and Texas. This is an easy situation, right? Is it? I mean, I see, here's the thing. Most OU fans will tell you Texas, but it comes down to your own personal situation. If you're an OU fan and you don't hate Texas more than see, Oklahoma State... I do hate Texas more than Oklahoma State, but here's the thing. I don't have to deal with Texas fans on a daily basis. That's I have true. to deal with OSU fans on a daily basis. I had to deal with them when I was a little kid when John Blake was coach. No. I didn't have to deal with Texas fans when I was a little kid. That's I didn't true. have to worry about Texas fans when I was going to school in the third grade. So it's a little different. I don't know. Like Up until, up until probably college, maybe even into college, I would... I would root for Texas, like mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. I wouldn't like outwardly root for right. them. But then I moved away from the state. I think it kind of softened a little bit. Uh-huh. And now, I, obviously, I always hated Texas. They're yeah. snobby and they, the they're they pretentious. And mm-hmm. their fans who didn't go to the University of Texas are idiots. And, yeah, I mean, live your truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm not gonna root for either of them. I'm gonna watch it happen, and I'm going to laugh at the team that loses. That's a fair statement. I've I've done it both ways too. Two years ago, when Oklahoma State won in Austin, and Hard G threw that duck of an interception. Yeah, that's great stuff. I laughed at Texas. You know, but back in like the mid two thousands, when OSU was always blowing those leads against yep. Texas, those yep. huge ones, I was laughing at OSU. It goes both ways. It, it, like you're gonna be somewhat satisfied mm-hmm. and have a bit of a smirk on your face after the game, no matter what happens. True. I'll I, I'm gonna root for Texas to lose, and if that bri- if that byproduct is just happened to be Oklahoma State winning, okay, that's fine. You know, that's that's how I approach that game. Now, if, if OSU loses, and I, then I just go crap on all my friends that like OSU, and then just... It's kind of a win-win for yeah, us. Yeah, it really is. Because one of them loses. And a team in orange loses, so that's even better. And, uh, I mean, do you think do you think OSU has a chance to beat Texas Oh, absolutely. Austin? Yeah, definitely. 
I think Texas. I is, think it's going to be a shootout, but yeah. I don't think Texas is as good as people think they are. OSU's offense is legit. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. I didn't. I see. I didn't watch them against Tulsa. Chuba Hubbard is real nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chuba Hubbard. Oh my gosh, them against Tulsa was something else. It was ugly first half, and in the fourth quarter they ended up pulling away. Yeah. It was bad. Chuba, of all the running backs I've watched this year, he might be the best one. He's got the best name in the Big Twelve. Chuba. Charleston Rambo. I don't know. Charleston Rambo is a great know. name. Chuba reminds me of like, maybe like a something I would name like a like a tiki hut man, like a like, I don't know what is it, <laughs> like a tiki torch man. I don't know Chuba, or somebody from like Tonga. That seems like a name from something from the Tongan Islands or something like that. I'm speaking things and nobody knows what I'm talking about. I, I feel like we sh- should <laughs> veer away on. from this. Alan Alan Bowman out like six to eight weeks because during the game against Arizona, we're like, okay, well, he might be hurt, but he still played the rest of the game. Then somebody says four to six, and then somebody said six to eight. And Texas is already dead on arrival before they got to the Big 12. Yeah, there goes their chances of making a bowl game, probably. Sad. Of, of hitting six wins. Their defense has been relatively pretty, but not awful. Yeah. I mean, they held UTEP to three, which UTEP sucks. Arizona's garbage. 2026 schedule, by the way, Utah. Yeah. Woo. Auburn, uh, Auburn, but uh, uh, Arizona, you know, it was 28, but that's because they couldn't keep their offense on the field. And that's a, I mean, they have Khalil Tate. I mean, that's an offense that can score on you. And mm. they only held them to 28. I even like Khalil the, Tate a lot. I do too. He's being wasted by Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> Wait, what? An offensive... An offensive playmaker at quarterback, wasted. dynamic athlete, being wasted by Kevin Sumlin. Who'd have thunk? Never heard of it, ever, in my life. Gosh. Somebody on Twitter again today saying Lincoln Riley's getting transfers and he doesn't develop them. And it's just like, I don't know where these people make this stuff. It's like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, they give all their credit and all their development to Lincoln Riley, especially after being under Lincoln Riley for three years. They were under him for longer than they were at their previous institutions. They were only at Texas Tech and Texas A&M, respectively, for one year. Yeah. <sighs> People are stupid. Makes me crazy. But how good is the Big 12 is a real question. Top to bottom, maybe the best. I'm not saying it is the best country in the conference, because I don't think it is. I think the SEC is the best country in the conference. But as far as like top to bottom depth, probably the Big 12. I mean... I don't think there's a team that is like horrid. I mean, you saw what Kansas did. They'd be. I I, I turned it on. Doubled up Boston College. I turned it on. Boston College was winning. I was like, well, it looks like another Kansas game. I finally saw the final score, and I was like, wait, what? What happened here? How did this? How did this happen? I was equally shocked by West Virginia doing what they did to North Carolina State. Especially when what's his face got up on the podium was like, yeah. We're going to need our fans to be patient with us this year. And like, okay, it looks like West Virginia's going to suck. All right, moving and on. And they still will. And they still will in Big 12 play. But just like, all right, they took control of that North Carolina State game. And the most impressive game of, uh, you know, intra-conference play is, I thought Kansas State just physically whipping Mississippi exactly. State. It, no, if coming into the season, if you would have told me that would have happened, right. I told you you were crazy. But coming into this game this week, seeing how they, granted, you know, Bowling Green, not a great team, but they looked right like world beaters on both sides of the ball against them. The word I would use to describe Kansas State is sharp. 
They're just fundamentally sound in every area. They bring intensity on every play on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, other than you know those special teams fiascos, right. which were really bad. Thank gosh. But I mean, I I thought that Chris Kleiman's culture from North Dakota State it was obviously eventually going to rub off on Kansas State. The same culture as Snyder did. See, but Snyder was getting old, and his son was sort of running things. Yeah, you saw what was happening the last few years. They were going downhill. They were sure. not as fundamentally sound as they were before. They weren't playing with as much effort as they were before. It's like that that block that they would walk. They'd run in with games that said "family" on it. it. Didn't really stand for the team. It just stood for the Snyder family. It was it was going downhill. Yeah, fast at Kansas State. So climbing is. I could I. Easily, doing something a little bit new, considering easy, the last few years. Easily, when we were when we were talking about it, you know, I thought, oh man, that this guy, like people were like, oh, how dare you hire so and so from North Dakota State? I was like, that is the best pick you could have gotten. Great hire. That that's the most on brand hire for Kansas State. And then we were, oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I thought they should have hired Seth Luttrell at the time, yeah. but. That would have been a great hire too, but someone else is going to get him. This I mean, off at Big Twelve Media Days, when we were riding in that big elevator that like is supposed to be, you know, you're transporting large, large things that was instead of whatever. Awkward. It was a strange thing. It was like a lift. It wasn't even an elevator. But you know, we were in the elevator with uh, you know Joel Klatt and Matt Rule and a couple other guys. And Joel Klatt asked the guys about Kansas State, and they kept on saying like the players are basically like accepting everything that Kleiman's doing. It's the most on-brand Kansas State thing. I was like, The best exactly thing I heard I about the whole thing is that Kleiman is finally letting them listen to music and practice now. <laughs> That's one of the biggest changes. <laughs> That's, oh, man. That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was something that uh, <laughs> it was someone from Bring on the Cats was talking about Alan with over the offseason. That was one of our podcasts. But, yeah, that was one of my favorite nuggets. No, none of that rap music out here. Well, that's probably not how Snyder would talk. How would, how would Snyder talk? Oh, gen- none of that rap music out here. Gen- that Where's gen- my Taco Bell? Gentle old man. He eats Taco Bell like twice a day or something like that. Snyder does? Yeah. Wow. Loves it. And while he's writing his, writing his little handwritten notes. That's nice. Uh, but yeah, Kansas State beats Mississippi State. KU beats Boston College. TCU manhandles Purdue. Of course, Texas lost to LSU. Tech lost to Arizona with Bowman Hurt. Um, Iowa State. They never do anything what good in hell? non-conference play. They never do anything Almost good. lose to Northern Iowa. Should should it be Iowa, but had that stupid p- fumble, muffed punt, where the guy just literally runs into his partner trying to field the ball. Did you see that? I saw the replay, yeah. Holy crap. It's just like Iowa State. Come on, be better. Like We've all tabbed you as a good team in the Big 12, and now you are literally... This is becoming a regular... Running into each occurrence, other. ...occurrence, like... They nearly got beat by Drake last year. Drake, which I guess is in Des Moines. Yeah, I don't even FCS know. FCS school, yeah. He's a rapper from Canada. That is true. But it's just like... Aubrey, right? Yeah. First name's Aubrey. It's just like, I don't understand how Iowa State can do this every year, but when it comes to Big 12 play, they're still like they're still making it work. But this year, it's different, I feel like. There's no Alan Lazar. There's no David Montgomery. There's no is it Hakeem Nix? Or oh no, not Hakeem Nix. The massive wide receiver. Hakeem that they Butler. Had. Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Nix was a giant NFL um, New York Giant for a while, but North Carolina Tar Heel. But it's just like 
they don't have these guys, and you can tell it's kind of an issue. Now, their defense is still pretty stout, definitely stout, but is it stout for the Big 12? We don't know. Um, their fronts on each side of the ball are very good. They returned pretty much everyone from a year yeah. ago. So that's one thing. But, yeah, not quite the same firepower. Don't, don't get it. Obviously. Don't get it. Who does have firepower is, this is a nice transition to my fantasy team too, the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews had like 10 catches the other day. He's on your fantasy team? Oh, hell yeah. I got him in a real late round too. My fantasy team's a little shaky, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Joe Mixon hasn't been productive. Mm. That doesn't help. And also, my two quarterbacks are Cam Newton and Mitch Trubisky. So My two quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm holding out on somebody to trade me. Derrick Henry's been good for me. I'm 1-1, one one, so there's mm-hmm. still hope that things can turn around. Yeah. And I have I, I, I had OBJ. And Antonio Brown just came back, and he had a pretty decent game. Yeah. But, I mean... Pat Mahomes throwing four touchdowns in one quarter. I was like, yep. He's the only quarterback worthy of being taken in the first two rounds of a fantasy draft. I took draft. Pat Mahomes first. Yeah, that, that it's not stupid. And people laughed at me, but they shouldn't. who's he, number he's, one now? He's someone who's capable of putting up 30, 35 fantasy points a week oh at boy. the quarterback position. This, this book that's sitting right next to my right, Jason Brown, the coach from... Uh, uh, oh, Independence. The, four, the former, former coach former. from Independence. He put he threw out his top five quarterbacks in the NFL. No Pat Mahomes. I think he had Russell Wilson, uh, the guy from San Diego, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, um, Tom Brady, and I can't remember the other one, but it was just garbage. It was a garbage list. There was no Mahomes. There was there was I mean who would also, who also just say is a top quarterback in the league. Oh, I mean a healthy Cam Newton, not yeah. not right oh, now. Sorry. Cam he, Newton. He, he had Drew Brees, and he Drew oh, Brees yeah. is hurt too. But as he's a top quarterback when healthy. There's Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger getting hurt over the weekend, season ending, for oh, for at least Roethlisberger is Drew Brees out for the season two or no? I don't think he is. No, he's out for a very long time though. But Baltimore Sooners, Mark Andrews just absolutely killing it with Lamar Jackson, Hollywood. St- Stupid numbers. So Hollywood's on your team too? No, I'm trying oh. to get a trade for him, man. I'm trying to get a trade for him. I'm trying to bait this this guy that I'm trying to trade for. He has Drew Brees, and he's going to be out for, of course, like a long time. And I said, hey, like Tom Brady for Hollywood's trade up, and of course, like not many people might do that because it's a quarterback, and I don't know. But anyways, just like you've got to, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you got to love watching the AFC North, Baltimore. It nearly included Gerald McCoy too. Yeah, and Cleveland, the 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 Browns game was there were more Oklahoma televisions watching their Browns game than there was like New York In Jets. New York, yeah. Well, yeah, per capita, but yeah, per capita. That's impressive. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's, the, it's that big side moving the needle. It's the power of a yeah, big big cyber. Yeah, the power of Oklahomans loving their Sooners so much. They will follow them to the NFL. I mean, Baker Mayfield is Oklahoma's favorite son. So it makes sense because I guarantee you people are tuning in to watch Baker Mayfield more over than they would for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, part of that is just that Kyler Murray only started for one year. That's true. And that obviously his personality wasn't as... Right. And people learn to love Baker Mayfield and, oh, and, and his personality, not just his play on the field. Besides the fact that he brought Oklahoma back from, you know... 
oh, just your average 9-10 win season to national title stuff every year. We like cocky athletes. We really do. That's we're nice. not a very cocky populace. Yeah. But I think that's maybe that's why we're drawn to cocky athletes because yeah. they speak for us. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. It's it's the things that we want to do as of Oklahomans, but we're like, well, we're Oklahoma. Yeah, maybe not. We're a little reserved. We don't want to point out flaws and do these mean things because, like, it's it's very Oklahoma not to point out obvious flaws because you're being rude. Yeah, of course. But when a Baker Mayfield goes out and tells you know Baylor that I'm your daddy, well, then that's more fun. That's what we wanted to say. <laughs> yes, gosh, love Baker Mayfield. Oh gosh, miss him in his interviews. But like, who's the best interview on the team now? Oh, you got to think about it. it obviously, not Jalen. Not Jalen. Not Kenneth Murray. Who's gotten lighter? He's gotten a little better. Like Creed Humphrey. Creed's a good one. Is a good one. Ceedee Lamb is probably the best one on the on the team right now. That's been available several times. Pat Fields was good Pat when Fields he was, was interviewed. Good. He looks Oklahoma guy. Pat Fields looks like D'Angelo Russell <laughs> with his hair like that. And when he wears glasses, that's really funny. Charleston Rambo's not bad. Ball out, Charlie. It's good. But I mean, I, I, the best interview on the team right now to me is Alex Grinch. I'm listening to every word he is saying because he's not a jackass. Next year, it might be Spencer Rattler. That's Spen- the best. Spencer likes to talk. Rattler will be a good one. No, I mean he's he's very confident in himself. I'll just say that. People like say, I read a, I read a quote the other day because I'm a nerd in my profession. And they said, and the quote was, "Arrogance is not a leadership style." Bullshit. <laughs> would you call what Baker Mayfield did arrogance, or would you say supreme confidence? Both. I mean, it, I it doesn't really matter. The answer is yes, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, he galvanized his team by yeah. acting that way. Yeah, and it worked. He grabbed his dick against Kansas players. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. To. Crying in, in the media. It's my quarterback. But, man, you know, it, it, we're, we, we we said this would be a short podcast. I think it's been one of, the, one of the longest ones we've done just together. It was supposed to be short, but yeah. But, hey, you know, life moves on, you know? Of course. But what are your plans for this weekend? You're not going to California this weekend. No, I'm not, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I have Jeez, to work out in <laughs> the oil well. <laughs> it's not as cool as going to California. What are you doing this weekend? Watching football? I'll probably, yeah, during work I'll be... Yeah, I'll, I'll be tuned into all of the games on. I've got a, I've got two monitors at my desk. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And I've got my laptop. Oh, very nice. So I, I've, I've got it covered. And I'm about to subscribe to ESPN Plus. Dude, five bucks, it's worth it. I promise you. Oh, of course. You. I, I mean, have it. You, if you're bored, ESPN thirty for thirties all day. Oh yeah, all of them. That plus, I mean, if you're a fan of like OU softball mm-hmm. or OU baseball, you're gonna get to see plenty of it on ESPN Plus. Guarantee I mean, your ass. Probably not too many of the home games because yeah. Oklahoma has their own T three deal where they're gonna show a lot of mm-hmm. OU softball games. But like road games in the Big Twelve Conference, a lot of those are gonna be on ESPN Plus if you're wanting to get your OU softball. Fix. I can almost guarantee you, Oklahoma versus Kansas is gonna be displayed on ESPN Plus this year. This year, next year, not this year. Might be next year. But it will be it will be played on ESPN Plus. I can guarantee you that because the the tier rights, right? That Oklahoma and Texas rejected. It'll be interesting for the conference moving forward. I mean, of course. T- tomorrow I'm gonna hit up the Moore Norman game. Oh wow, that's a lot of. They, they, Is there a name for that rivalry? I don't know. Mormon. Mormon. <laughs> they've got they've got that's the that's the lame show. They've got a lot of good. Athletes in left field. They've got guys committed to OSU. 
They've got guys that OU, OU's looking at. Cade Horton, who's committed to OU baseball, but it's going to play both if he doesn't get drafted for, for Major League Baseball. Uh, Moore, you've got Daniel Hyshaw and a, and a guy actually transferred from Westmore to Moore. Um, Nikhail Davis, who is a three-star defensive lineman who's you know got offers from Memphis and Tulsa. There's it, it, a lot of scholarship guys in the field. There's a lot. It's real fast in the field. A lot of points going to be scored. That's probably the biggest game on the west side of the state besides like... See, both of these schools were not very good as recently as a few years ago. A few years ago, both sucked. And now they are both like some of the best schools on the west side of the state. Moore hasn't been good at football since I was like a kid. Yeah. It's because Westmore became a thing. And all the kids are transferred to Westmore. And, and then Southmore became a thing and yeah. it hurt both of them. Yeah. But yeah, so Norman versus Moore, that's going to that's gonna be a very big game. It's on a Thursday night too, which sucks, but... A very big game for the west side of the state for, you know, I think it's I think it's district play. But, you know, it'll be interesting. But this weekend, I think I'm just going to grill, go eat some food, watch Notre Dame get their ass kicked by Georgia. I think that's what's going to end up happening this weekend. Pretty much. I mean, as far as the Big 12 is concerned, I guess Texas-Oklahoma State's the best one. I'm See, I'm really intrigued by Kansas-West Virginia. I did Man, not I think too. I would care. I I'm going to watch it. Because, like, Kansas has shown you a pulse. Puka Williams is fun to watch. He's really, yes. really good. And Austin, not Austin, yeah. Uh, Austin Kendall, not bad. Pretty serviceable. And shows you that he probably would have done well in Lincoln Rally system. Well enough. Enough. Not okay, as good well as, as... Good as Jalen, no. No. Not as effective as Jalen, but he would have been fine in that system, I think. But that's that's about it, man. That's all I have. You got, you got anything else? Boomer Sooner, I guess that's it. Hey, well, that about wraps us up. So, hey, follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. There's a lot of stuff dropping all the time, daily. I get notifications like crazy on my phone from Facebook to Twitter to everything else. Everything we've commented on. Um, follow Jack on Twitter. You can find him at a couple of different spots. You know, at the usual handle for the website, at CC Machine, or his personal account, at J. Larry Shields. I'm at KMarabi and CCM. Follow Alan Kenny as well. Great dude. Placing out the odds every week. I think they had a couple of rough weeks in a row for placing the betting odds and stuff I've like that. Good. I've, man, I've been good. He's, yeah, you, I've been better yeah, now. I'm, I'm not too my own horn here, but yeah. I, I regressed yeah. a little to the mean this week, but. Yeah, man, it's normal. It'll happen. It's normal, but man, like we said, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you like. Let us know, let us know what you think, and we'll check you guys later.